it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 449 for August 6, 2016, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week's guest is Bart Bouchatz, back again with more JavaScript and programming by Stealth. Uh, how are you doing today, Bart? I am doing fine. Um... We should probably warn people right away that uh, we're actually recording this as video. This is our first time, so uh, <laughs> it's probably all going to go horribly wrong. Uh, but what we're going to do is an attempt to have Bart show us live in video how he solves the JavaScript challenges that he gave us uh, four weeks ago now. That's the, the idea, right, Bart? That is the idea. So I'm just, you know, the idea sort of came to me when I was teaching programming at university. One of the most critical parts of that process was standing at a whiteboard with a class of students going, all right, here's an empty whiteboard. Here's a problem. Now, can we fill that whiteboard with a solution to that problem? And it's the empty screen is the scariest thing out there. And yet so much more valuable than seeing it finished and having somebody walk through it. Uh, I used to do something similar with uh, people when they first hired on to work for me is I would sit them down with a bunch of pieces of scratch paper and I would draw draw them the organizational chart to show them where they fit in. And, you know, mm-hmm. I could have handed them a stack of org charts and it would have meant nothing. But they uh, people save those because it, it, you know, really explained it to them. So I, I, yeah. I think this should work. If the video recording and the audio recording works and bandwidth holds up and disk size holds up, what could possibly go wrong? Well, we'll give it a, we'll give it a, a scout's best try and see how we get on. And if worst case uh, scenario happens, we've got audio. Right, exactly. And of course, the actual work solutions, which we just said, aren't really as valuable. But anyway, we have those. Yeah. So when last we left our heroes, uh, you had uh, given us a pause to work on doing your JavaScript challenges. And I I ran off and found a service called Codecademy that I've talked about on the on the show on the regular Mm NoSillaCast, where I was able to start with little tiny baby steps, actually practicing doing the things that you've been teaching us. And uh, and I think Codecademy has been fantastic. It's uh, it's getting harder. (laughs) It's definitely getting harder. It does that, yeah. Yeah, but but I I felt like it it did a good job of giving me the rote pieces that I was missing because I was learning new things every week, but never getting to practice the little the little building blocks that you had taught us. Yeah. And so I'm not completely done. I haven't finished the object part. I'm about uh, 80% done, but not for lack of working on it a lot. But it's been really, really fun. And I've been working through the challenges you've done. And I have, how many are there? Four total? Five total. Five. Then I got four or five done. And then the fifth well, okay, one, the fifth one I tried, um, but success is, uh, maybe you'd give me partial credit for spelling my name right on the top of my paper. <laughs> I think getting through the first four is not bad going at all, because that means that the if, if you look at all the different things you've run as different Lego blocks, so the variables Lego block, that one's obviously completely owned, or you couldn't have got through the first four challenges. The conditional block is completely learned, because otherwise you couldn't have got through the first four challenges. Loops are obviously in the bag, or you wouldn't go through the first four challenges. Functions are obviously in the bag, or you wouldn't go through the first four challenges. So really, that that's not bad going. Yeah, yeah, I was I was pretty proud of myself till I, till I hit the last one, and I, I did a bunch of it on my own. And as I started making notes of where I made mistakes or where I had questions, but I realized I was very often writing, "Well, did that backwards?" <laughs> so I get the sense there's still a there's a penny floating in midair that just needs to, to to come all the way down. 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, luckily, uh, uh, Joe Romanski has written me another one of her fine uh, descriptions trying to clarify some of this for me again. And you've given me another great uh, write-up on trying to help clarify it for me. And uh, I, I like the last one Bart gave me used burp as the function. And so, you know, I learn better when I'm laughing. So that, that definitely helped. Well, I'd already used fart two weeks ago, so yeah. <laughs> running low on bodily functions here. <laughs> well, we haven't used spit yet. Okay, noted. <laughs> Something. <laughs> the to next question to. you ask, yes, will be answered in that mo in that mode. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started without any more uh, discussion. Okay, so the challenges are over on bartb.ie, PBS 19 of X, some JavaScript challenges, and so I'm using a fantastic WordPress plugin uh, called. Spoiler, so I can, the solutions are here, but you can't see them unless you spoil yourself. So. And I love that. So if for people who aren't looking at it, he basically has a show hide solution with a plus button. So you look at the first challenge, you go work it for a while. And then when you need to look at it, you can pop that down and see what he did compared to what you did. That is spectacular. I love that. Yeah, this gorgeous little plugin, very straightforward to do. And it, it really is helpful for this kind of stuff. Okay, so challenge one starts us off nice and easy. So using a loop of your choice, print the 12 times tables from 12 times 1 up to and including 12 times 12, because I grew up in imperial worlds, so that's how I think still. <laughs> um, so in our JavaScript playground, so a loop of your choice. Do, do you have a preferred loop? You know what? I, I probably should have had all of my solutions ready. Um... Well, no, but, we're going to work them from scratch, so right, but give, remember, give me a loop. I tend to be more of a, a while person. Okay, so the solution on the website is a four, so we'll do this as a while. So we know that we're going to need a while loop. And we're obviously going to need some sort of a counter to count what we're doing. So I'm going to call mine i, because that's just a good idea. Now, i equals something. i, I something. And then i plus plus. So now we've got to figure out, okay, so... Where do we want to start? Well, I said 12 times 1 up to and including 12 times 12. So if I say start, start one. Yeah, there we go. So that's easy. So our condition is while i is less than or equal to 12. Mm -hmm. And then we have is to remember. Is it cheating that I tend to say less than 13 just because I'm too lazy to type less than or equal to 12? Whatever your brain finds easiest to read, do okay. that. I, right. I'm a, I, I like to write my code like I speak. So I would say less than or equal to. So that's how I write my code. But really, it's ultimately, there's an infinity of right answers. So it's just whatever works for you. So okay. I'm a less than or equal to kind of guy. So there we go. So what do we say? So, okay, so pbs.say, obviously. What do we want to say? So we we're going to print them out times. line by line. Yeah. Okay. So 12 times i. Plus i. Yeah, so I'm concatenating i into the string 12 times. So twelve. So the string 12 space x space concatenated with the current value of i, concatenated with e space equals space, concatenated with, now let's do some mathematics, 12 star i. Okay. So that should, in theory, be that. It is interesting the to watch. Button. It is Ding. interesting to watch the order in which you type things as you create them, because I only see them finished. So um, one of the things I like about the Atom Editor, for example, is when you put in a parenthesis, it puts in the other side. You put in a squirrely yeah. bracket, it puts in the other squirrely bracket. Well, I do that just on autopilot, yep. whether I'm in 
text edit notepad.exe. I, I do, I'm the human bracket matcher. <laughs> right. Even when I'm writing in English, if I'm going to quote someone, I'll have the two quotation marks and then step back. Oh, interesting. It's just, I always... Oh, people it, like you never forget the attachments in emails then. You probably put the no, attachment No, because when I first. say it, I attach it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I usually start by dragging and dropping onto the doc icon for the mail app. So that, that when you start from the attachment, you cannot possibly forget it. Right, right. And I use the proxy icon. So if I'm in Word, I can pick up the proxy icon. Anyway, <laughs> so the point being, um, I very much made sure to, to do my I++ first because I, I'm not a wild you person and I have this terrible habit of forgetting the I++ and having an infinite loop. Oh, okay. So when you do uh, a while loop, the I++ kind of comes at the end after you've done whatever it is you're going to do in that, that uh, yeah. thing. So, But when you do the for loop, that's when you do the I equals 1, comma, I less than or equal to 12, comma, I plus plus. Yeah, so the for loop that I'll be on the one line, which is why I like a for loop, because okay. everything to do with I is together for you to scan across and make sure you haven't done something silly. I do but remember anyway, you saying I would get used to that I plus plus thing, and I'm totally at home with it now. It's, it's just second nature to slap that in. And I almost it's, always type it correctly. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those atoms that's just used so much. So yeah, I just want to make you one bigger. Plus, plus. Okay, so there we go. One down, four to go. Now, they're not all going to be this easy. Uh, I did ramp them a little. So challenge two. Uh, write code to print out the Fibonacci series of numbers, stopping after the numbers go above one million. A million. Uh, By the way, the hardest print- part of this challenge was spelling Fibonacci. I spelled, I, you told me you just copy and paste, and I should have done that from the beginning. I'd have it spelled four different ways and couldn't figure out why my code wouldn't work. Oh, and I've noticed I have it spelled at least two ways in my own show notes. Do you really? <laughs> I do. Two B's at the top, two C's at the lower down. I can't remember which is right. Yeah, I think it's the two C's. It's, see, I do two N's and one C. So there's three ways to You said there's a lot of different ways to solve this problem. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a difficult surname, that. It is someone's surname, I believe. Anyway, so you may print one number that is above one million, but no more. And the re- that just makes the code easier. Uh, the first two numbers in the series are 0 and 1. After that, the next number in the series is the sum of the previous two. Now, that's why I gave you two numbers to start with, because otherwise you would have a problem. Because the third number is the sum of the first two. The fourth number is the sum of the third and the second. The fifth number is the sum of the fourth and the third. Right. So you, you get the pattern. Yep. So... To help you out, I said, build up your solution in the following way. Create an array named Fibonacci with two initial values, 0, 1, 1. Then we have write a while loop that will keep going until the value... Actually, let's just write the code as we're reading it. So create an array named Fibonacci. Well, let's copy and paste. Oops. <laughs> Is that the right one? Uh, well, it's the one I'm going to use. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It doesn't matter. So, so far Fibonacci equals an array. How do we make an array? That's going to be the square brackets. Two square brackets, initial values, 0, 1. Okay, so that's that's the first part done. Okay. Write a while loop that will keep going until the value of the last element of the Fibonacci array is greater than a million. Inside okay. the while loop, do the following. So let's start with a while loop. While something, something. So we know that Fibonacci needs to stay under a million. Or Yeah, so while Fibonacci is less than 1. Hang on. One, two, three. <laughs> two, three. There we go. Because you can't put in commas. Another one of those little things that makes Perl a language I adore. In Perl, you can legally do this and it will not get confused. Oh, you can use you underscores. Put underscores instead of commas. Interesting. Yeah. 
and it doesn't get confused and it just knows you mean a big number and that the underscores are for humans only. I adore so it's sort of that. like Google and Gmail allowing you to put a dot in your name just to make it look like Bart.Bouchats is the same thing as yeah, Bart.Bouchats? Exactly that exactly that kind of thing. Anyway, so that's something JavaScript doesn't do, so I have to count me zeros, six of them. Okay, so we've definitely dealt with the first part of that. We have a while loop that's going to keep going until Fibonacci is less than a million. Now, what do we do in there? Calculate the next Fibonacci number by adding the last two elements in the Fibonacci array together. Add this value to the end of the array. Okay, so, oops, let's... <laughs> You're gonna so get your... our next Fib, and I'm going to go with that little abbreviation there, equals... So what is the next Fibonacci? So I took a different approach on this one. I cheated and used something that I used, I learned in uh, Codecademy called Slice. Yeah, I don't... I mean, Slice are not friends. Slice is a okay. C-style thing. I'm not a C programmer. Okay. But if you're a C programmer, you love slicing arrays. Slice, okay. You can't dice them, but you can't slice them. <laughs> All right. So what's the last element in an array? Well, it's the name of the array. Dot length. And then we want to go to Minus the index one. of the name of the array dot length. Spelling is hard. One. Exactly. And then we want to add to it the second last element. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. You've got... Hmm. You've got got, Fibonacci, then square bracket, Fibonacci.length minus one plus... I have no idea what you're doing there. Okay, so we're going into the Fibonacci array, and what element of the array do we want? Well, we want... So if the length is two, we want element one. So Fibonacci.length minus one will give us... Hmm. Right. Okay. If if this was yeah. two, yeah, it'd it work, just seems right? funny to call itself within itself. But yeah, but we're saying whatever your length is minus yeah. one. So in okay. other words, the last element, and then whatever your length is minus two. So now we know hmm. what the next Fibonacci is. So now we need to shove it on the end. So how do we shove something onto the end of the array? Lots of different choices. Plus here. equal kind of thing. Or was that no. a push? Yeah. So one way to do it would be just to say the oh, name yeah. of the array. And then say the name of the array dot length equals next fib. That would right, work. Or it won't work. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hit the backspace right as well. Okay, so hang on. Uh, that would work. What is it you're doing? Fibonacci square bracket Fibonacci dot length equals next fib. No idea what that means. Okay, so Fibonacci dot length is going to be in this case two. Two, yeah. is the, two is the third element in the array. So we're now sticking in a new third element. And then the next oh, time around, becomes length next will have... fib. Yeah. Wait. Now, see, I find so, that confusing code, but that will work. Hang on. So you created a variable called next fib, mm-hmm. and you said it becomes... Yes. Uh, Fibonacci square bracket, the length minus one plus... Square mm-hmm. length, no, no, no. Okay, so next fib, and then what you're going to do with... Ne- ah, then what you're going to do with next fib is you're going to shove it into Fibonacci at the... At the position Fibonacci.length, which is three, which would be the, thir- the third position. It's one off the end. Dot yeah. length is always one off the end. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me just check something. Is it add or multiply? No, no, add. Okay, we're correct. Okay. So that is a way to do it, and that is perfectly valid, but I am a, such a big fan of dot push. So the way I would do it... If I think I did need. dot push. Yes, I did. So I would push the next fib into the back of the array, because that's just easier to read code. Fibonacci.push next fib. Slap it on the end. Okay. Okay, so we are now. Yeah, don't we need a? Okay. We need some plus pluses down there. You forgot to do we your do, plus and pluses. Our while, our while condition is uh, is not really very good because our while condition should be the last. El- well, the last element in the array is less than a million. So, so Fibonacci this- dot length minus one. 
Exactly. Look at me, go girl. Yeah, you've got to spell Fibonacci. No, I don't. <laughs> Copy paste. Okay, so uh, while Fibonacci, Fibonacci dot length minus one is less than a million. Get the next one, the shove, next it one end, shove it on the end. And then, yeah, and the next time we come up to the while loop, it's the last one we're checking. So next fib is now the one sitting at the end. So it's the one that gets compared to a million. So we don't have an infinite loop. Okay, but will this one go beyond a million or will this one stop at a million? It will do one above a million because this it will shove one on the end and then it will check to see whether the one on the end is greater than a million. So oh, the last okay. one goes on and then we check. Okay. And then we start off. Gotcha. Okay. So we should have now working code that prints Wait, nothing. You didn't plus plus there. Uh, no, but there is no we're not we're not counting Oh, it's not the same kind of while. Gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. Because okay. well, yeah, so our condition is that the last thing in the Fibonacci array has to be less than a million. So we've added something to the end, so we've changed whatever the last thing is. And then okay. we check if it's still okay. So we are incrementing, but we're not jumping in ones. We're jumping in weird values. Okay, but you need to pbs.say on that bad boy. Uh, well, we have that. it hasn't said what to do with that yet. So for now, I'm just going to click run to make sure that there's no errors. And do command A, command C in case I made an infinite loop. Click run and it gives no errors and does no output, which mm-hmm. is fine. Okay. So, okay. So da, 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 we're down here. We've done that. Print the Fibonacci series one element per line by converting the Fibonacci array into a string separated by new line characters. Oh, I didn't do that part. Uh, you you say it differently, but you got the same output. Well, I just said PBS does say Fibonacci. Ah, okay. Well, that will show you it as an array, but I want it a little prettier. So I'm going to do a PBS dot say. We know that much is needed. So a fantastic array function I adore is join. I say join it together with new line characters. That's right. I remember you telling us that, and I think I need that one in the one I don't know how to do, too. <laughs> Possibly. Join is amazingly cool. So there we go. There's our Fibonacci series. We go one above a million, and then we stop. Yay! So one, three, four, six, two, six, nine. So there we go. We're now two down. Two down. All right, I'm going to so check far we have if I got we... the same code, if I get yes. the same answer. So, so far, we're, you know, only six lines of code, so they're not, they're not big problems yet. Nope. Now... No? You get different Fibonacci's? By the way, I, I, no, I said, I said, uh, I said, uh, I don't know, remember I said no to it. No, yeah, I got that exactly, except I forgot okay. to do the other part. By the way, I can teach you something fun in Safari at some point. If you pinned, if you pin the JavaScript playground, you don't have mm-hmm. to, uh, you don't have to flip between uh, two versions of the, uh, of, of the Windows because they, it just it saves everything in the uh, pinned. So I keep JavaScript Playground pinned, and then I go over to the tab where I'm working. That tab for PBS Playground has disappeared, but the pin is still there, and I can jump right back to it. It's really nice. Okay, I would if I wasn't doing this as a screencast, I'd have the two windows next to each other at more screen resolution. Right. Okay. Now the next one is, I think, a very important one to do uh, because this is one of the most popular interview questions ever. I can if you trick wanna... an interviewer now. Right. If you want to test if someone understands basic coding, so this tests your understanding of loops and of conditionals, which are some of the most fundamental aspects of programming. And if you can do fizzbuzz, then you know enough to be trained to program in any language. If you, if you can do this, we can train you, is basically oh, the logic. okay. So it's not that you know everything, it's just you, you get the logic? It's the, yeah, exactly. You, you, are, you, you think programmery, therefore we can train you. <laughs> okay. Because very rarely do people walk in the door with exactly the skills needed. What you need to check is that they have the competences needed to pick up 
the skills you need them to have. Yeah, I've heard that described as talents versus skills. So I yeah, can, I can teach you Excel, word. but I can't teach you to be organized. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, maybe the military can by beating it into me. But <laughs> no, they can teach you to act organized. They can't ah. teach you to be organized. Fake it till you make it, I guess, is what yeah, that is. Yeah. Okay, so what is FizzBuzz? Write a program that prints the numbers from 1 to 100, but for multiples of the 3... Sorry, but for multiples of three, print fizz instead of the number. And for multiples of five, print buzz. For numbers which are multiples of both three and five, print fizz buzz. Yep. So basically you should see one, two, fizz, four, buzz, six, no, six is uh, fizz again, seven, eight, nine, no, nine is a multiple of three, so it's fizz again. Yes, it's too hard. <laughs> it is too hard, but you, you get what we're trying to do. So let's let's build it up. Back to an empty screen. So we're going to loop from 1 to 100. So I'm going to do this one as a for loop because it's just good practice. Bar. I actually okay. did this one as a... As a oh, sorry. Talk to every description. Keep going. Okay. So var i equals 1, i is less than or equal to 100, i plus plus. Okay, so that's i taken care of. What on earth do you want to do with i? Uh, well, the default, if, if, all, if there's nothing funny going on, we just print i. So what counts as something funny? So, uh, so whether, the, okay. actually, this, I was really, really happy with this particular uh, task to do the FizzBuzz one, because I finally completely understand modulus or modulo, as, as they call it. Because mm-hmm. uh, remember, I had so much trouble with it, and Alistair tried to help, and you explained it to me, and I just couldn't get it, why it was important. This is a case of where you want to say if it's divisible by three, then you want to say fizz. Well, how do you know if it's divisible by three? Well, if the mod- modulus of i of three is zero, then that means it's divisible by three. Yeah, exactly. So I've already put in the else there. So if it's not a funny number, we just put a print out the number. So pbs.say i. So now the question is, what goes up here? So I am going to say that a number is funny if it's either a fizz or a buzz. So if i... Modulus 3 double equals 0, or if I modulus 5 double equals 0, then it's a funny number. So why did you use double equals? I use triple equals. Uh, I use double equals because of many years of habit. Apparently the modern advice is to use triple equals. So you know the way when you're learning to drive, you have to feed the wheel, and a real driver just puts their permanent and spins it around? <laughs> So a driving instructor, Bart, says use triple equals. Um, okay, because that's what Bart, I did. Okay. So triple equals means that you're checking type and value. Double equals means you're only checking value. Right. So, But we already know modulus, this is a number, so you don't have to check type. Exactly. we yeah. defined it. Right. So the modulus is a number, zero is a number, so double equals and triple equals will behave identically the same here. But if we were getting this as input rather than a variable we had defined, then that's a good idea. It would be why you'd want to go to triple equals. So basically, there's two, there's two schools of thinking. So the old-fashioned way, which is the way I still, my brain is still wired, is default to double equals, and when you really care about types, throw in the extra equals. And the new school of thinking is default to triple equals, and only when you consciously don't care about type do you strip one away. Yeah. So okay. whatever way works for you, work that way. Okay. But the difference is whether or not you care about type. So now we've said if it's divisible by three or zero uh, by three or five, then we want to pbs.say fizz. No, no, 
or buzz or fizz buzz. We got to do something funny. So what funny? Okay, well, fizz buzz and fizz buzz. I what I notice is that fizz buzz is just fizz and buzz happening one after the other. So it's not actually three cases; it's just two cases. So if the number i modulus three double equals zero, we want a fizz. Whether it's a fizz buzz or just a fizz, we just we always so, want a fizz. So we're just... down a loop of it's either going to be divisible by three or five. Now you're saying just in or the both. case of divisible by three, say this. We're going to say fizz. Okay. And we're not going to have an else because I actually intentionally wanted the the, the, the three and fives to go through cleanly. So I'm going to copy that. Let's say if it's a five, we buzz. And so this has the, the effect of dealing with the case where it's a three and a five without us having to write another really long if statement. So I I know I should be saving my time for the hard problem because I'm going to need a lot, but I don't understand not having an else in an if statement. That just disturbs me deeply in my soul. Okay, well, an else is only executed if the condition failed. Oh, and in this Maybe case, th- we know it's going to be three or f- uh, divisible by three or five or both. Yeah, so there's no else. We don't want to protect the code because if you put it in an else block, it, w- it won't happen unless the condition is met. So sometimes you yeah. want your code to happen. So else, it's sort of like overly constraining a problem. Exactly. So okay. sometimes you actually don't. There is no. There is no else. If okay. this is the case, do this. Period. Okay. So if we're if we're divisible by three, we want to fizz. There there is no else. Mm-hmm. If we're divisible by three, we fizz. If we're divisible by five, we buzz. And that means that if we're divisible by three and five, we fizz and buzz. Right. So if you come through here with i equals 15, you'll say, is 15 modulus 3 equals 0? Yes, it is. Is it e- Yeah, so that or will happen straight away anyway, because yeah. an or is lazy. Uh, is it divisible by 3? Yes, it is. Fizz. Is it divisible by 5? Yes, it is. Buzz. And so the output is fizz, buzz. And I have a slight mistake here, because, of course, pbs.say will print a new line character. So I need to do something a little bit cleverer. So var out var fb, I don't know. I don't know what you're... Okay, so right now we'll fizz and buzz on two separate lines, which is wrong. I want to fizz buzz together. So I'm going to say var. Oh, that's how you're going to do both. Okay. Equals an empty string. And I'm going to say. To say plus equals fizz. And I'm going to say. Because I I can't do a pbs.say until I know the whole line. I have no idea what you're doing. Okay, bear with me. Well, but you're supposed to be explaining it as you go, not having me look at it at the end. So stop and show. Okay, so so the problem with what I had there was that every time I do a pbs.say, a new line is created because pbs.say is print new line. It's like going ding on an old typewriter. So in the case of 15, it would have said fizz and then on the next line buzz. But that's not what the problem is. The problem is fizz buzz on one line. So how do I get it onto one line? But you typed all this stuff and now I don't know how it was constructed. You you don't don't demo and and then but type it all and then say wait or it's just like looking at it finished. You okay, know, you see what I'm saying? Okay, so you comment you out, comment you out. Okay, so I see what the problem we're trying to solve is. But what are you doing okay, now? So, all right, so this is how it was, and then we right. have the problem. So PBS dot say is PBS dot yeah. You don't have to re put it all back in, but. Okay, so you get that if I was doing that, if it was 15, it would say fizz on one line and buzz on the next Correct. line. But that's not what we should do. We should be having fizz buzz. So you're going to f- define another variable 
Yeah, which I'm just calling Toussaint. I don't know. I don't know what the that, line what it is, though. I, it's a variable I'm going to stick fizz and or buzz into and then print it when I'm ready. So we start off with an empty string. So we're going to pbs.say whatever it is we want to say. So I'm calling it toussay. Equals and then two quotes. So an empty or string. Not equals, becomes. Becomes an empty, an empty string. string. So Thank you, Jill. Exactly. Okay. So then we say if we're divisible by three, then our empty string should have some fizz added to it. Oh, okay. So to say plus equals fizz. All right. So to say becomes equal to whatever it was with fizz stuck on the end. Now anyway, it was an okay. empty string. So all right. And then we say if it's divisible by five, to say becomes whatever it was with buzz stuck on the end. And then we do we actually say all of it together. So if this was say six. The first if statement will be true, so the empty string will have fizz stuck to the end of it. The second if statement will be false, because 6 is certainly not divisible by 5. So what will get said will be fizz, which is great. That that seems like a really hard way to do it. I I did the multiple if statements, but I did it by saying, if it's divisible by 3 and divisible by 5, do fizz buzz. Else, divisible by 3, say fizz. Else, divisible by 5, say buzz. Else, say I. That also works. It seems like a having to create new variables seems excessively complex to me. But like you say, infinite ways to do it. Infinite ways to do it. So my thinking is deal with the not funny case and then deal with the funny cases. It's just how you break up the problem, right? There yeah. is no right. Me, it there is no. Be, it seemed like wait to the not funny case. Well, I did the not funny case at the bottom too. Yeah, it's a different structure of yeah. At the end of the day, um. But trying to combine it seemed to make correct. you get more add a variable. Seems like it would use, I don't know, that uses memory space or something, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not I'm not obsessed with being with saving memory if if it makes the code harder. Yeah. I would contend that this makes the code harder because creating a new variable and figuring out what it is and what it means is harder than reading four if statements that are identically formatted. But yeah, that's okay, well, Bart. You can do it this way if you want. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. The, 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 one of the things you do so often is build up a string. So this is, this is a very common design pattern. You just build up a string. Okay. All right. So, yeah, you can do it that way if you want to. Yeah, as I say, it's not right <laughs> or wrong. As long as, the, as, long as, when you, as long as the output field is correct, it yeah. really doesn't matter how you got there. Okay. In theory, you could write an if statement with 100 else's cascading all the way down. And hard code the whole thing. If I equals one, print one. If I equals two, print two. If I equals three, print fizz. I mean, you know. Right. I wouldn't recommend that as an approach. Okay. I'll, let, then you, if I I'll say, let you keep going because I do need to save my time for the last one. I could say do it until a thousand. Then, then your hard coding wouldn't work so good. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so that's three down. Okay. So four factorial. And I actually gave people a choice here. Uh, so, okay, anyway, so write a function to calculate the factorial of an arbitrary number. The name of the fun- name the function factorial. It is only possible to calculate the factorial of a whole number greater than or equal to zero if an invalid input is passed, return none. And the or equal to zero is another head nod to Jill. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> she corrected yes, us that, that uh, you can't do yes. zero. Yes, I was wrong. I thought factorial of zero made no sense, but it actually does. There is, there is exactly one way of organizing nothing. <laughs> anyway 
as a reminder, the factorial of zero is one, and the factorial of any positive number n is defined as n times the factorial of n minus one. You can write your solution either using a loop of your choice or using recursion. Test your factorial by calculating test your function by calculating the factorial of the inputs in the PBS playground. If no inputs are set, print a message telling the user to enter numbers into the inputs. So, did which one is recursive? Recursive means you means a function that calls itself. Okay. So, if inside a function called factorial, you call a function called factorial, you're recursive. Okay. All right. So it's like if the the barber cuts everyone's hair, does a barber cut his own hair? That kind of stuff. That's recursive. Okay. Head explodey stuff for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other the other option then is a loop, so a while or a four. Okay. So regardless of which we choose to do, we start our code the same. Oops, I keep on doing command tab instead of command tilde. Uh, so command a back. Ooh, not command a. There I've done go. that about a thousand times. So function <laughs> factorial, and I say something about arguments. What do I say about arguments? I say. Uh, which one are you going to do? Uh, well, it doesn't actually matter yet. I, had, I haven't okay. reached a decision point yet. Okay. So, name the function factorial. Check. Uh, it is only possible to take blah, 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 blah. Okay, so I got it. I need one. I will need one argument, which I am going to call n because I am a very boring sod. <laughs> and n, so if something return nan. Now, what's the something? So, how? Why did you throw a nan all of a sudden? I don't know why you did that. Okay, where we say it is only possible to calculate the factorial of a whole number greater than or equal to zero if an if an invalid input is passed, return nan. Okay, Okay, so this will be if this is where we have to test to see if they put in letters or uh, numbers with digits, extra digits. Right. So, what's the easiest way to test? So, there's a couple of different options we have here. So. We could say, so a number is a whole number if the number is equal to itself turned into an integer. That's one approach you can take. So you could say if n double equals parse int n. That means, that will only be true if if, if n was a whole number. But it can be a negative number in that case. Right, and then then you'd have to go further and say and n is greater than or equal to zero. Then you've got, that. that works. Uh, so if somebody puts a string in, what happens with percent n? Uh, percent of any string will go to nan. Okay. N is, the, a string is not, e- the, the string, whatever it was, is not equal to nan, so that would fail. Okay, but why are we returning nan? Because I said to. Why did you say to? Well, because the factorial of nan makes no sense. Sorry, but the I factorial thought we of- throw an error. Uh, well, in this case, because all the other arithmetic functions in JavaScript return nan as the output of something funny, and this is an arithmetic function, I thought it made more sense to behave like the rest of JavaScript. But I, we told them... We, we said didn't. They we need... said, okay. if an invalid input is passed, return nan. Okay, so we don't tell the user what they did wrong. No, we're just... Yeah, the function doesn't okay. care. So the function is going to be wrapped in some sort of UI. So, the, you know, that's up to the person using the function to do. The function's job is only... To do the math. Okay. The, the way I did it was uh, if the input is less than zero or input is a string where I did uh, equals, equals, equals quotes, double quotes, or mm. is nan input, then I said throw okay. an error. 
So that would mean that 4.5 would have got in because 4.5 is is mm. not is a number, but it's not a whole number. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So that's one way to do it. My preferred way for positive whole numbers, because I adore regular expressions, is to say turn whatever it was, stringify n, so turn n into a string, and then match it against the regular expression. Starts with ends with a digit plus. So that only makes sense to people who like regular expressions. So that regular expression is starts with and then ends with. So dollar and hat are start and end of string. And then slash D is any digit, and plus means one or more occurrences of. That will only match a positive integer. But if you're not a regular expression fiend, that is not human-friendly code. Yeah, that just looks like a cat walked on your keyboard whenever I see your regular expressions. Right, exactly. So some people's brains, I, I think in regular expressions, they are not obscure, they are not weird to me. I just think that way, so that works for me. So I would write the code like that for myself. But I actually think that most human beings would much prefer that way of doing it. Yeah. If um, yeah, I, I I'm not saying I couldn't learn it, but it's like you showed me Swahili once, and I never <laughs> got to type Swahili. It's it still looks like a cat walked on a keyboard to me. Yeah. As I say, the only way to get good at regular expressions is to use them a lot. Maybe in your terminal experience, you'll start to use egrep a lot so much that regular expressions become a thing. In which case, when you have that skill, why not use it in JavaScript since you have it anyway? Yeah. I can never remember how to use egrep, so I sit there sadly knowing I learned it and can't remember how. But okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's a matter of having a real problem to solve, yeah. right? Yeah. You can't learn it in the abstract. Someday you're going to have something where the only solution is for me to talk you through regular expressions. You know, <laughs> and that'll work. Good. Okay. So we've now dealt with all the easy stuff. So it's so we've function, got a real call number. factorial... It uh, takes an argument. If the argument is gar- garbage, we throw an error. Now we actually have to do the work. Now we actually have to calculate a factorial. So which which one do you want me to do? The recursive or the loopy one? Well, I understand how to do loopy one, so maybe you should torture me with a recursive one. Perfect. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> so, this is like telling the, the, uh, the, the uh, instructor to give me harder sit-ups. But... Okay. So whenever you're writing recursively, you should always think... How do I stop? How do I stop going down the rabbit hole? So you know the way if you look at two mirrors that are perfectly parallel, they go on forever. Mm-hmm. For, uh, you can have an infinite loop in recursion by just simply calling yourself forever. So you always want to think there's got to be some way I return something that's not a call to myself. And so in this case, the escape hatch is we know that the factorial of zero is one. Okay. So we say if. Why didn't we say n? N triple equals zero. Okay. Return one. Okay. So So whenever you've created an escape hatch, we have an escape hatch. We haven't done anything useful yet. Now we've got to call ourselves. So what's the rule? So the rule is the factorial of n is n multiplied by or times the factorial of n minus one. Okay. So otherwise we return n star factorial n minus one. That's it. That's horrible. <laughs> right? This does, some people's brains do not like this. I did. I just saw the back you. of my own head. Yes, you did. But there's an escape hatch. So when you come in with n equals four, uh-huh. four is fine. Four is not zero. Okay, then I got to return four multiplied by the factorial of three. So at that point, a second cup, your Wait, first how can of be four? Function, 
Right. Ah. So your function is executing and it now it's waiting on an answer. So it stops and a second copy of your function is spawned, oh, which geez. three is the argument. Oh. And it gets as far and it waits and a third copy with two is spawned and then a fourth copy with one is spawned. And the one with one, oh, it has to wait two. A fifth copy is spawned with zero. The zero gets an answer. It passes its answer up. It passes its answer up. It passes its answer up. So you get to the first one, which returns the answer. But so you have multiple retu- copies of yourself. It's only going to no, return no. one. It's not going to return. Not. It's going to return n times the output of the one. So each hanging one is waiting for the other side of the star. So I'm waiting, and then I'm going to multiply and return. So what happens so when n equals zero? So when n equals zero, it just returns one. So at that stage, you have five of them hanging in midair, each of them waiting to multiply themselves by the answer they get handed up. And so, by, by returning one, that allows them to finish? Right, because then the one, the one where n equals zero actually isn't waiting on anything. It has an answer. It doesn't have to wait in another copy of itself. And then the one where n was equal to one gets an answer from its call. So it says return one times something. Ah, I got an answer. It's one. One times one. I return one. Then the guy above him says, I got to be two times something. Oh, I'm two times one. Then the guy above him says, I'm returning three times something. What's something? Ah, something is now two. No. Is it? Ah, Whatever. I'm really sad I asked you to do this one. This hurts. So we it haven't does. finished, though, right? You've got we to haven't s- finished. call it so or say it. Or as far as here. So, okay, we have a function. Great. Test your function by calculating the factorial of the inputs in the PBS playground. So now we've got to actually use our function. Now it exists, but we haven't told it to go. So mm-hmm. uh, var the inputs equals PBS dot inputs. Okay. I always do that for my own benefit. So we got the inputs. So I also say that if there's no inputs, we should say something. If there are no inputs, print a message. So that's that's easy. So if something else, it was wrong. So we say pbs.say. You're an idiot. No, please <laughs> enter one or more numbers into the inputs. And there's two schools of thought here. You either tell them what they did wrong or you tell them what you'd like. And I'm very much of the opinion that you should tell people what you want, not what you don't want. Okay. So rather than, if someone puts something wrong and I wouldn't say, no, no, I didn't want a string, I'd say, I want a number. Okay. It's a philosophical thing. So what do we put here? Well, if the inputs.length is greater than zero, we want to actually go ahead and do something. Otherwise, we say, please okay. start talking sense. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah. So in between, then you're going to say... Got to call me function. function. No, just Well, factorial. no, it exists. We've got to use it, so... What do we want to do? We want to pbs.say, put some English in, the the factorial of concatenated with, uh, oh, we got a loop. We got a loop. We got a loop. Yeah. more more than one of these. We got a loop. So which kind do we do? Wait, wait, wait. Where's the loop? Well, we haven't got one yet. We got to write one. So the inputs, plural. Someone could have entered three numbers. Whatever we do here, we've got okay. a loop. I didn't let so, them put in three numbers. I just ignored the other ones. <laughs> okay. That is that is okay. a test of your function. Uh-huh. So I'm going to for loop it. Or, yeah, I will. So for var i equals zero, i, 
i is less than something i plus plus what do we want i to be less than i don't know what you're doing so i don't know well i'm looping over all the inputs okay so i'm going to say make i be less than the inputs dot length okay we're just looping over an array so for each element of the array we're going to say pbs dot say oops the fact of the factorial of concatenated with the inputs i space is space concatenated with call my function at long last factorial of the inputs i so this is where I start, I don't know, this might be not be valuable to talk through on the show, but this is where I start to get really tangled, where I, I would have put factorial parentheses N. I wouldn't have okay. put factorial the inputs. Even worse, factorial the input square bracket I. It seems like you've got a lot more okay. in there than I would have ever thought of putting in there. Hang on. Oh, no, you're the end of the PBS. I know I'm just spacing it out a bit. So yeah. this N up here is a placeholder. This N comes into existence here and falls out of existence here. It is a pla- It is our alias for whatever it is they'd like the factorial of. So N is actually this array of pbs.inputs? No, it's element I of pbs.inputs. It's going to be mm. a single number, right? We have I don't three know. inputs. Okay, well, no, the square you brackets called it means... the inputs. I you put a square plural, so it's, but it's I. only one thing? No, no, the inputs is an array, but the inputs i is an element of the array. Where did the inputs become an array? Uh, right here. Fire the inputs equals PBS that inputs. The actual definition up here okay. says that you can use three text boxes. You can access individual inputs with pbs.input. Uh, you can access all non-empty values as an array with pbs.inputs. So that okay, tells so- you that pbs.inputs always gives you back an array. Okay. So the input is an array. The input square brackets i is the ith element of the array. Okay. It's not the whole okay. array. It's I never would have thought to do that, but okay. I, I understand what you did. I just wouldn't get there, but okay. Keep going. Okay. I gotcha. You got me. Okay. Okay. I think we're done, actually, assuming I haven't made any typos. Okay. Paste everything. Oh, yeah. Okay. Put well, in I suppose input. that would help. I don't know what these correct She's answers are. Two, five, and seven. Ah, and they're okay, all we in. Have bug in our code. So okay, so we have a bug in our code, and I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep my mic shut for a minute. Okay, so two. If two parse int n and parse n n is greater than or equal to zero, return nan. Two is definitely its parse int is two, and it's definitely greater than or equal to zero. So why did it return nan? Actually. Do you see it? I'm not seeing it immediately. So it's a str- the thing is, a string of two has come in here. Ah, uh, we didn't stringify, or not did. opposite of stringify? Yeah, so I'm actually rather surprised we didn't have an infinite loop. Pleased? Ah, no, I'm not surprised. Wait. String multiplied by, always not. How, uh, uh, wh- right? I, how is this a here. string? How are we, uh, 
you typed in a two, not a string. Is it because PBS inputs are always strings because they're form fields? Correct. So I forget, how do we turn a string into a number? Well, we can actually, for real, we can say n equals parseInt n. And we just asked it that. You can't then tell it that. We asked it. Yes, I can. Why can't I tell it? I'm the boss. Because you already said that it would be nan if that were true. No, I'm saying if whatever it was is the same as whatever it was as a string. Oh, hang on. Yeah, we have a more fundamental problem. You're asking the wrong question. You're asking the opposite question, right? I'm asking the opposite question. It should have been less than or equal to and not parsent. Oh, I get it. There we go. We just got to invert everything. Would that be the same as inverting each one separately? If you had said n not equals equals uh, parsent n and n less than or equal to zero or less than zero? Okay. You're, if you remember your Boolean algebra, if you split the not, you have to invert the and to an or. Yeah, okay. It's easier not to split the knot. All right. Okay, so at that point you're saying if if n So, so n, n will never be n will never be parse n of n because n is a string. So you have to no, tell no. It. Okay, so this is a double equals not a triple equals. So the string 2 double equals the number 2. Oh. Well, okay, let's uh let's, Okay. Let's, no, I see what, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So if this was 2.5, you would have the string 2.5 being equal to the number 2, which is not the same. But if this is valid, it would be the string 2 being equal to the number 2, which but is not correct. Not triple equal, because triple equal would triple show equal. type. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So and we then were, we're saying, <laughs> yeah, we were backwards. And then okay. this is fine. So if the number it has to be greater than or equal to 0. Okay. So what we should have, yeah, so we should have not. Wait, wait, wait. This. So is the string n greater than or equal to 0? Yeah, so this is what's... Ha- okay, so this is a string and that's a number. So if we remember back to installment one-ish of JavaScript... Oh, yeah. If you, this will get converted to a number automatically because JavaScript does type conversions. Okay, so that wasn't our problem. wasn't the type conversion. It was that we wrote it backwards. It was that we wrote it backwards. Now, our type conversion would have come into play here where we triple equals. Mm. So that's that where you have to parse into it. Yeah, so now I got to say that N becomes... Yeah, so why didn't that make a loop? Because we never got beyond here. We just returned none. Oh, okay. Okay, but with we, that fixed, you would now have a loop if you hadn't add that, added that yeah. n equals parsing. My okay. escape hatch would have been blocked by okay. an equal sign. <laughs> okay. That would have been bad. Okay, so now we should have working code. And we do, I think. Possibly. Well, two is definitely the factorial of two. That's two times one times one is two. Mm-hmm. And I'm not good enough at maths to do the rest in my head. I'm pretty sure they're right, though. They look familiar. I tell you what, real quick, I'm going to jump in. I'm on another computer for those uh, watching the video. I took my keyboard away from myself so I wouldn't accidentally do something on screen. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so it should have been, uh, what are we asking, five? I'll just Actually, do, five, I have to do them one at a time. 120, that's correct. And seven, and seven should 5040. be 5040. You did it correctly. Yay! Okay, it's. I, it made me happy to see you make a mistake, though. Right, but a programmer makes a mistake on average every nine lines of code. There's 21 <laughs> lines of code there. We made two mistakes. We're right on schedule. <laughs> what What is that? Uh, there's There's a sign a lot of programmers have in their offices that that talk about. You know, I found a bug and created three more, or whatever. <laughs> I fixed a bug and created three more. Yeah, yeah that all like happens. That. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So okay, that's good. One We're there. done. Thanks for everybody for listening. This is. <laughs> No, so now we're getting to the big one. And this one is 
this is so big that I actually intentionally made it something you would do in pieces, which is why there's show hard show hide partial solutions. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Once I figured out, I tried copying the last bit of code and seeing how it ran, and it didn't work. And that was because uh, yeah, you, you don't get there till step five. Test what you have so far with the following code. Right. So that shows you how it should work. Question is, will it work or not? So let's build it up piece by piece by piece. And this is this is going to build up nicely. Okay. So JavaScript out of the box has no bleeding idea what an imaginary number is. Not a clue. Doesn't exist in JavaScript world. So we're going to have to teach it what a complex number is. Okay, explain people what a complex number is. So a complex number is this weird mathematical thing that involves a real component and an imaginary component, where the imaginary component is some amount of times the square root of minus one. So I would like the audience to know this is why I chose mechanical engineering, because they told me about that in my electrical engineering class. And I said, I'm out. (laughs) I'm not going to do this. It's a whole branch of mathematics based off the the whole idea of what if. Yeah, well, what if you could do the square root of a minus number? But you can't. And then off you go. (laughs) You can't in our physical universe but strangely enough the magnetic field and the electric field are related through imaginary numbers so it does work it, it actually has real physics effects even though it's complete like what the what? blah 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 i walk over to somebody and i grab their arm and i twist my two hands in opposite directions and i say torque you got it <laughs> that's why i went mechanical engineering but okay you and your cute little imaginary number will we'll create complex numbers with real numbers and imaginary numbers sounds great yes. Now, I'm also telling you that we're going to call this new prototype slash type slash class slash data type, whatever synonym we're going to use. We're going to call it complex number. So that immediately constrains us to some things. So that means that our code is definitely going to start. I'm just going to put in a big comment here because I always put in a big comment at the start of a new prototype. Define imaginary number, can't spell... You also get to see how bad I am at typing. Find imaginary number pro to type three. So anytime you're defining a prototype without even thinking, just on autopilot, you're going to type function, paste the name. Then you're going to type blah dot prototype dot something equals function. That's exactly what I wrote. I pointed to Pat last night when I was working on this homework and I'd written complex number dot prototype dot question mark, question mark, question mark. (laughs) Yeah. So the first thing you always do is you make a function with the same name as a prototype. And this is going to be slash slash the constructor. Now, okay, now we've got to go read what we're actually supposed to do. Like even without, without reading anymore, I know I need this much code. So now the question is, what do I do? Okay. So the job of the constructor is to is to build up the data that is needed inside the object, and then we tack on the functions later. So what is the data that makes up an imaginary number? Well, it's a real part and an imaginary part. Uh, so I am saying here, for now, the constructor will take will not take any arguments. So there we go, completely empty, no arguments. In the constructor, initialize a key named underscore real to the value zero. So we're going to say this dot underscore real equals zero. What else do I say? Whoops. Also initialize a key named underscore imaginary to the value zero. Okay. Okay. So far, so so good. I'm wrong on the second line. Good. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> so th- this is a model that's going to become. When we were talking to about return it. I thought it said to return that, but no, it's saying you're you're defining no. it in the constructor. Initialize, initialize a key. It. Okay, right, right. Yeah, so I'm, we're I'm saying slowly getting this piece. It's starting to get in there. Okay, good. Okay, so at the point of creation, all our imaginary numbers will start off as zero zero. So we're right. just saying when I when I say build me an imaginary number, it's going to contain zero zero. Okay, which is a perfectly valid thing to do. So that's. That's that done. So, okay. So the key pair is underscore real and zero and underscore imaginary and zero. Yes, exactly. Two keys, two values. Okay. There they are. Okay. Add a so-called accessor function to the prototype to get or set the real part of the complex number and name the function real. Okay. And the, the accessor functions we hadn't talked about in a long time. I remember them, but... That means a, a function that's going to reach into the constructor and do something with it? Well, it's going to reach into the object into that was built by the constructor Okay, and manipulate oh, okay. the internal values. Okay, so for example, changing the value of this underscore, this dot underscore real. real. Exactly. Adding to it, subtracting from it, stringifying it, doing it something to it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I've said we're going to call it real. So now I know that it's going to be complex number dot prototype dot real equals function. Okay, so okay. now what? Let's keep reading. If no arguments are passed, the function should return the content, the current value of the underscore real key. Well, that sounds easy. Yeah, I if, actually got stuck on that. Okay, well, if arguments dot length double yeah. equals zero. So I forgot all about arguments dot length. That's what kind of an important one. Yeah. Return, so, but what is it again? It is every time you're in a function. So here we're in a function. This special variable is created automatically for you by JavaScript, and it is an effect. It is an array of all the arguments, and it has a length feature. Okay. So if there were no arguments, then the arguments dot length is zero. But we know that we already have a real and uh, underscore real and underscore imaginative. They're zero. Okay, but they're not arguments to this function. They're just properties of our object. But we already said this function had no arguments. I right. Thought. Well, no, we were saying. So this function... So oh, no, the prototype had if, no arguments. The, yeah, so the constructor function had no arguments. But now okay. we're in a whole new function, right? We said function... Okay, blah, so we're so not we're, done typing in between those two parentheses there. We're, we're not. We've dealt with... So we've, we have done this. If no arguments are passed, function should return the current value of underscore real. Okay, well, yeah, this if is, no arguments were passed... Retu- oh, sorry, not return zero. Return this dot underscore... Real. Now we've done what it says. So how could you return this dot underscore real if there's... Oh, you're saying we have... Oh, oh wait, I think I've got it. So we're creating this prototype that's going to look over at that, that object function thing we did to start with, the constructor, and it's going to say, uh, it's going to say, did I get any new values? No, well then just use the one I already had, which is this dot underscore real, which should be zero. Right, so this is... When was you don't right? pass any arguments... Wait, was that right? Mostly. Okay. Pretty pretty close, yeah. So when you don't give it an argument, we want you to tell me what's inside. And if you do give me an argument, we want you to make what's inside become that. Yeah, okay. So become we've now done the just... first half of that. Okay. All right, if you didn't mm-hmm. give me one, if you didn't give me any arguments, just tell me what's inside. Okay, okay fine. Return this underscore real. So now, if there is a, if there is a first argument, make sure it's a number. Okay, well, we can do that. 
Uh, we can do that in a couple of ways. So either I could say if... So we could talk about arguments zero as the first argument, which I find very cumbersome. I don't like using arguments like that. So I can give it an alias. I just say or. Sorry, what I was I was rereading something else you'd written. What was this test for? Okay, can so you flip back to the other screen. Okay, so we're saying that if there is a first argument, make sure it is a number. Okay. Now, how do I address the first argument? So if there wasn't one, we've dealt with that case. But if mm-hmm. there is one, so I can either say if arguments zero and then do my test for a number. Wait. But I zero? don't like Oh oh right, oh element zero. Yeah. Now I don't like dealing with the arguments array like that. I prefer to just give it a name. So I'm call- so I just went up here and I just went or. So now we can ali- we've aliased argument zero as or. So I can say or if How not, is that argument zero? Oh, because we're gonna have two arguments. Well, no, there's we're only going to have zero or what? Yeah. No, there's going to be zero no, no. and one. No. If it's there is a stuff. first argument, we're only interested in our first argument. Okay. Right? It, I'm just building it up here as it says. Okay, anyway, I'm just calling it or because or is easier to type. So if... Now, how do we test for number again? Uh, is number, isn't it? Or not is nan. Yeah, yeah that's right. If not is nan... Parentheses are? Okay, or. good. What do we want to do? If it, okay, set it as the value of underscore real. Okay, so then I say this dot underscore real becomes or. Okay, anything else? And then we do something which for now is going to seem like complete voodoo, but we just do it because I said so. Return this. This is a really, if you excuse the pun on the word this all the time, this is a really common technique. It's called, it enables something called function chaining, which I just want you to park. I don't want you to fixate on it. Okay, so let I me just, make sure I understand what we said. So we said, uh, wait, wait, go back. Which one do you want? Okay, no, let me just read what I can read now. So we've got a prototype. Uh, oh, sorry. I think this is slight like. We've got the prototype uh, called real of complex number and it's got a function and its input is R and we're saying if if we didn't get anything for R then return put just hang on to this dot underscore real. Well not hang on to it, we're returning it. Well I don't know what return really means because okay, it so, doesn't say it. It just but, but we already know this dot underscore real is zero, so why do you have to return it? Well it's it, it's zero when the object is created, but we could manipulate it so then it may not remain zero. But it isn't. So the, we aren't. Who says? So, okay, we are ju- creating... Because we just said. We said it, it's, uh, it's zero. Okay, no, no, nothing is anything yet, right? This is defining what an imaginary number is. Until we say something becomes equal to a new imaginary number, nothing exists. This is a blueprint. We're building a blueprint. Right, but we just... We already know we, we've invoked this function thing, this complex number thing, and we've already told it this dot underscore real is equal to zero. No, we haven't invoked anything. We have said that when the constructor is invoked, we will set underscore real to zero and underscore imaginary to zero. So what is, we haven't what is done returning it. this dot underscore real do? It's going to do nothing until we invoke the real function. 
So we are at some stage in the future going to say var my number equals new imaginary number with no arguments. And at that point in time, this function runs. And this function creates a new object with two properties called real and imaginary. So my underscore number. Wait, my new, there is no new, there is no imaginary number in all your code. You can't call it. It doesn't exist. No, we are making it exist. Uh, Complex. Sorry. Thank you. That's what was throwing me. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You can't be making it. There we go. Okay, so now say again, because I was lost, because it made no sense. Okay. So until we do this, until we say new complex number, all of this is just a design. It's not actually happening. Right. So when you create a new one, then do this. When someone then says pbs.say my number dot real with no arguments, then it should say zero. I don't know what return this dot underscore real is doing. Okay, so PBS why, are we, say, why are we returning it? Well, because we want to be able to access it. So we might do something like my number dot real plus four. Yeah, it's not very exciting. It's going to be four, but... Because otherwise we don't have it? It doesn't... It's it's an accessor function. Its job is to let us reach in and get the value. Okay. Mm. Mm. Okay. So, now, what happens if we call it with an argument? PBS saying stuff makes sense to me, but I guess it's because I'm not inside... the, the, The computer shouldn't be chattering all the time saying this stuff, but to me that's what makes sense. Right. right. It's Most just the, of the fact time that it now not. knows what. So, uh, okay, let's do this now. We've called it here with no arguments. Let's call it with an argument. So now we say my number. I should have called it my num. Dot real four. Now let's do a PBS. Dot say my number. Dot real with no arguments. So it was zero. We've now made it before, and then we've gotten back the fact that it's four. I don't have any idea what you just did. Okay, can we go back? Okay. Go back to the code because I'm I'm derailing you and it's getting worse. No, um, we need to go back to the code, but we need to go back to it in a very specific way. So at this point in time, line twenty four, on line twenty four, we are calling our constructor function, and we are saying that my number becomes equal to whatever the constructor function does, and the constructor function is adding underscore real and underscore imaginary into my number. So at that point in time, my number has an underscore real property of zero and an underscore imaginary property of zero. Mm -hmm. And it also has a function called real because we've added it to the prototype. Complex number dot prototype dot real. So every complex number has a function called real. So we can say my number dot real. If we call it with no arguments, all it does is reach in and give back whatever the current value of real is. Okay, okay. So the first time we do that, we PBS does say that. Because we said return this dot underscore real is the reason that PBS does say my number dot real with no arguments returns or or says zero. Right. It it returns the zero, Uh, which the PBS does say no. Say yes or no when I say sentences like that, because you start explaining again and I get stuck. So let me say it again. Is the reason PBS dot say parentheses my number dot real with no argument Mm -hmm. types a zero on the screen is because in the prototype for dot real it says to return it. 
Yes. That's the reason it knows what it is. Other Without yes. that line 13, you wouldn't ever know in the uh, when you're running this function that this dot underscore real is zero. We take this out. JavaScript will go, what are you talking about? Wait, no, I just want to get rid of line 13. Huh? So let's... Well, that just says there is hyper. no prototype. There is no my number dot real. Yep, that's not what I meant. I meant okay. just... Uh, I'm just asking about line 13. Okay. Okay, let's do that then. Uh, sorry, where's my delete key on this Mac? Okay, I'll forward delete then. Function right. and then delete. Hold on yeah, I'm function. used to having a really big keyboard. And this laptop does not have a really big keyboard. So line 13 wants to go away. Yeah, line just 13. line 13. It should be okay. confused. It, it will be confused. It will, I, I predict it will print out undefined, undefined. Oh, object, object. Close enough. Okay, because it doesn't know what it is. Okay, I think I got it now. Now you can keep going. Okay. So, blah, 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 blah. Is there anything else we need to do? I think we have fulfilled our assignment here. Yeah, okay, we've done all that. You said function chaining, and we're just going to hang loose so, on that. Yeah, so the line 19 is doing what we're told. Why we're doing it, we I haven't explained yet. I've just okay. told you that returning this is a really common thing to do, so return this. Okay. Okay. Create a similar accessor function for the imaginary part of the complex number. I'm good at this part. I know how to copy and paste and change the word real to imaginary. So imaginary there. Return this dot underscore imaginary. Otherwise, we should probably rename you to I just to be consistent. See, that bugged me that you used I. I thought we weren't supposed to. I thought I was reserved for that index thing, so I called mine I-M. Well, okay, we'll call it I am. Okay. Uh, is I'm this never going to use I. Equals I am. Okay. So we've copied and paste, done the same thing twice. Okay. Yeah, so it should still run without any errors. And I like that you copy it first. I, I copy it first because if I've made an infinite loop, then I lose everything. Yeah. Been there, done that. Don't want to do it again. <laughs> okay, so that's part three, finito. Add a function to the, to the prototype named toString. Okay. Well, I got as far as typing the beginning of this part, and that's where my head exploded, but it was 11.30 at night, and I was sleepy. Let's see if I wrote it correctly. Type dot to string equals function. Not much we know without reading any further, so now let's read further. This function should return a string representation of the complex number. Okay, well, that's a sensible thing for something called to string to do. Mm-hmm. The rendering should adhere to all the following rules. In the general just, case. Yeah, can we just have a simple case first and run it without yeah. doing all of these? Absolutely. So let's just do a general case. So in the general case, a complex number is written as... So far... Okay, we can't start PBS by that saying right there. No, mm. because we're returning. Return, return, return. Write mm. a function name pro. This function should return. Okay. I like saying... <laughs> Yeah, I've got the hang you better of it, get yeah. out of that habit, or you're yeah. not going to be not going to be able to do anything useful. Yep, I type stuff on. Uh, screen we're going to definitely return the answer. I've got to figure out what the answer is. Well, so it's why do you create a variable? Because we're going to be building this up, right? We're going to be concatenating all sorts of stuff together. So I know it's going to end. It's going to start with an open curly. But why can't you just say return space quote? I could, but it's going to get longer and longer and longer. You like all these extra variables laying around, and that confuses me. Well, that's variables are four. Right, but what do you? Why does it need to be on a separate line? It it can just oh, be. Okay. So plus this dot. I think your quotes and your 
I think I'm okay. Why do you want quote left parenthesis quote? Oh, because an imaginary number when you write it out looks like or at least I'm telling you what it looks like. I'm telling you that an imaginary number looks like you know, Oh, I didn't know those parentheses were par okay. All right. Yeah, that's generally how you write them so you don't get all confused. So parentheses the real number plus a number right times now. I. Right now. So I need this plus symbol, but see our special case is already running into problems, but let's write it like this. Uh, da, 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 da. Can you move so your cursor? I can't read what that says. There you go, thanks. It's that underscore imagine, imaginary. We need a... Plus um, the high friends. That seems sane, doesn't it? Um, no. No, I asked, no. and it's I am. Uh, no. Mm. It's this that underscore imagine. Oh, it's okay, just so a letter I. I'm sorry. Just a letter I. It's a string. I. Okay. And at this point, so, IM doesn't exist because that's over right. there in that prototype. We don't know what it is. That's not in the global there. scope. Exactly. It's in the function. Do you need a... How come you don't have a semicolon right where you just put your cursor? Nope. You just moved it. You were up Here? on line 31. Line 31 and 20, I would have thought, needed semicolons. I do. Oh, look at me. JavaScript is just sometimes forgiving. Too forgiving. Line 20? No, not line... Oh, yes, actually, you're right. Line 20 as well. Line 9. Line 9 actually doesn't because it's not equal to a function, but no, it won't do any harm. Line 9, not 11. Yeah. Oh, because it's not a function? Wait, it is a function. Well, it is a function, but it's not in this format, blah blah equals function. So technically it doesn't, but if it confuses doesn't you, hurt? just... Okay. Does, absolutely doesn't hurt. Absolutely okay. doesn't hurt. Now, there's many of these I'm just like. trying to feel like I had some value here, Bart. <laughs> okay, so no, no, we've said complex number dot prototype dot to string... Uh, is equal to a function with no inputs. And all we're going to do is return this here string. Right. So let's try use this string. So why, I'm going to say... Why do we I'm, call it to string? Is, are, did we make that word up? That is a, that is one that we have made up in line with a convention. Right. But it is a made up word. We could have called that boogers. Just want to make sure it's not a sacred word. That's all. Okay. It's not a sacred word. It's... It's a word of it's it's a word that we've all decided is important. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so I'm going to say the real part is five. Wait, uh, you got no. two reals. Yeah. There we go. So that's now sane and sensible. Okay. So wait, talk through what what you've written down at the bottom now. So now var my number equals new complex number. So here. we're calling the prototype. So we're saying build me a new one using the constructor function. Why wouldn't you just put in? Five comma three or whatever, four comma five in between oh, the parentheses. Because we haven't yet made this constructor function smart enough to do that. We've just written a dumb constructor. Okay. It will get smarter as we go through this, but right now I've just said that's why okay. I said for now the constructor will take no arguments. Okay. So right now it's a dumb constructor. It just always builds you zero zero. Okay. So my number now contains zero zero. Then we say my number dot real four. So we're using this accessor function with no with one argument. So it actually says this dot underscore real becomes. So my number dot underscore real is now four, and my number dot underscore imaginary is now five. Mm -hmm. So now we can do something sensible and say my PBS dot say my number dot two string. Why does two string have to have parentheses on either side? Parentheses means it's a Go. function. It means execute this function. Oh, really? 
Yes, parentheses is like casting your magic wand. It's like, go! On a function. On a function name. Okay. So to string is a name of a variable that happens to be a function. So okay. to make it go, parentheses it. So there we go, 4 plus 5i. Now, immediately we have a minor problem. If I say minus 5, what's our code do? Oops. Right. Our code is not behaving very well here, so we need to be a bit smarter. Our two-string function is too naive. Right. Now I need so, my variable. <laughs> okay. Let's initially just start off by so grabbing all that stuff. Let's grab it all because we're going to need it all, but we're going to need to do a little bit of jiggery pokery with it. Return okay. as now. So all up as far as here, it's always going to be the same. So we definitely want that. Wait, what? what? Would you? Oh, you're just making space. Gotcha. So we're going to start it off with an open parens and whatever the real number is. That much is always the same. So then we got to say so, if... the real number can be negative, positive, decimals, there's nothing to matter. test for? What yeah, if it's because, a string? Well, that can't happen because our accessor function takes care of all that. Oh, that's right. We already checked to see if it's a number. Yeah. Okay. And that's why you have accessor functions. They, they're a filter to make sure that the only stuff that gets into your object is good stuff. Right, because the only way to get in is to call the imaginary function. Right, and it will just not accept it if you talk rubbish at it. It's just go, oh, okay. set off. Okay, so blah 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 blah. If okay, so if this dot underscore imaginary is less than zero, then we actually want to do the next thing. We want to say ants becomes whatever it was. Before you do this, talk the logic of what you're doing. I don't know. You're just typing. Okay. So we know that depending on whether or not uh, this underscore imaginary is positive or negative, we want to actually change this plus sign to sometimes be a minus sign. Well, what you did was not it's not incorrect. Plus minus yeah, 5i isn't wrong. Yeah, but that's pretty lucky. It's, it's not wrong. So we're just not prettifying. Pretty. We're not, it's not messed up. Yeah. It's not, it, yeah. We're just making it behave like I told you to. Okay. So this is where you said if the imaginary number is negative, change the plus to a minus. Yeah. Okay. So if uh, this that imaginary is less than zero, we stick on a minus. Else. Eh, you got to do more than that because it's going to say minus minus if you do it that way. We do got to do. We still got some work to do. So far, though, that much is correct. We're now correct as far as that space. Now we've got some work to do, though. So well, how is that correct? It's not correct at all. A minus will now it'll say minus minus and it'll be wrong as opposed to just ah. not pretty. Okay, but I haven't printed the number yet, so I haven't gone wrong yet. Now I'm going to print the number and now I have to be clever. Remember our friend the maths? I don't, I don't know what you're doing. You, so I followed you. You're just typing. Stop typing. I know. No, no, no. You got to stop typing because you're supposed to explain as you go. Back on line okay. 36, you said uh, the answer uh, gets added to it uh, a minus. Or a plus. So if we're negative, we stick on a minus. Otherwise, we stick on a plus. So, so far, we have parens uh, four. So parens concatenated with this at underscore root. Don't you have to concatenate that piece on the end? You're just plus equalsing it. Right. There's so no plus equals concatenate? Becomes equal to whatever it was with the other thing stuck on the end. Hmm. A string I thought that was addition. Yes, but the plus sign is either addition or concatenation. So if, if you're it's in, a string, it knows if to it's concatenate. A string, 
Exactly. Yes. Okay. All right. That's good. Okay. So we're going to add a string, otherwise, uh, the string of minus. Otherwise, if it's not less than zero, we're going to make it a plus. And then we got to be clever about how we actually print the number. Because we don't want to print a second minus sign. Because if we print the second minus sign, it'd look very silly, wouldn't it? Well, it'd be wrong. Yes. <laughs> Where it was right so, before. Right. So the maths library is at our disposal. And the maths library contains a function called abs, which gets the absolute value. Yes? Yeah. So if we get the absolute value of this dot underscore imaginary, then it won't print a second minus. Um, okay. Right? Okay. Because the absolute value of minus because you already had it typed and undoing it. Okay, got you. And then what is the last thing? So blah, 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 we're this far. And then we've got to concatenate our i. So ants plus equals the letter i and the closing parens. So in theory, if I hit run again, we should see a more sensible can't find variable maths. Yeah, because it's not plural. Yeah, you and your your British ways. JavaScript is British. Oh, wait. Apparently not. No, JavaScript's American. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that's behaving better. Four minus five I. You know I'm going to get that wrong forever because you did that. (laughs) Four plus five I. So that's behaving well, depending on whether you put a plus or a minus. So that's good. Our code here is better. Okay. So what else? What else does our code have to do? It probably needs to get a bit smarter. We have like 48 more conditions to go through. Do we want to go through them all? Guess Do we? we? Is is this is this worth spending our time on, or will we take it as given? Um, I because these are just conditions to make sure it's these written just correctly. The else's yeah, That's all these are. Yeah, and so we could probably read through those. Okay, in that case, Do you I'm going to copy. To take, I'm going to copy all of this. It's quite. It That's is not going to work. You're messy. in the wrong mode. You're going to get all okay. the line numbers. There we go. Double click. Command A. There we go. There you go. Not that I've done that a hundred times. Bidding. <laughs> Let's make okay. sure it still works. Good. It works. Uh, I'm going to take a moment now to bring us back to our function chaining. Mm. So this is really quite cumbersome. My number dot real four, my number dot imaginary five. Wouldn't it be great if I could just do that? Well, actually, I can. That is function chaining in action. Wait, my number dot real parentheses four dot imaginary. Oh, that's kind of cute. Right, because this is a reference to whoever called me. So this is a copy of my number. So my number dot real returns my number. Well, I can just dot imaginary it. So this is a reference to the object I was called on. So by returning this, we just get the stick functions. Slow down, start over. Not even close. Okay. Show me where we put this again. Okay, so the code. real, so in the function real. So where's the function real? Here it is. Okay. That's the line that makes that lovely shortcut okay, possible. Okay, so this is the, the prototype.real return this, and this is R at this point? This is going to, all right, so this becomes whoever is calling the function. So my number dot real. So when we say my number dot real, inside real, this is my number. Wow, you love talking in circles, Bart. <laughs> okay, th- this is a magic sense. word, right? Th- this the, the the magic word this is a magic word. It has it has meaning. It basically means that whatever object I'm being applied to. So it makes the code generic, right? So we say my number dot real, then this is becomes an alias to my number. If I then say You just Mar- said my number. Why do you need an alias to my number? You just type okay, my but, number. Hang on. No, but in here, 
Right, but in here, we have no idea prototype. that my number... Right, in the prototype, how do we refer to, to Rio? How do we refer to my any number. possible imaginary num complex number forevermore? We've got to return to it in a generic way. So we use the magic word this as a stand-in for whoever it is, call this function. Right? So here, mm -hmm. whoever it is is my number. But if I say var my other number equals new complex number, and then I say my other number dot real. Six. Yeah. Right? Now, real is there's one function real. It's here. Lines 11 to line 20. That function has to work on my number, my other number, my other, other, other number, right? It has to work generically. It has to work for every single complex number ever. And that's what the magic word this is for. So when I say my, re my, no my other number dot real, my other number becomes this. When I say my number dot real, my number becomes this. This yeah. is a stand-in for whoever it is I'm helping out. Okay, but who am I helping out in those, in those equations you just wrote below? Those who lines. So on this line here, my other number dot real, inside real, this is my other number. <laughs> on this line, inside real, my number is the one that gets mapped to this. So we are saying You're call the what function. what this is by telling me it's my number, but then when I ask you what my number is, you say it's this. So that I'm just in a, I'm in Sorry, a circle. Sorry, my number again. is the variable we created here on line 87. Why do we need to have it be this? What I don't understand where this is. This is a magic word. This is not something I've made I've up. I've heard this you say that. I understand right? this is, is a magic word, and it's doing something, but I don't know what it's doing. It's going it is, in a circle. It is a stand-in for whatever called this function. Okay, can we just... You've got a variable called my number. My yes. number becomes this, or this becomes my number? This becomes my number inside the function real, because I said my number dot real. And then the next time, my other number becomes this inside the function real. Why do I care about this? No, well, because the I same function... Yeah, I know. Well, the same function is now working on two different objects. So yeah. that's why we have to use the magic word this. Otherwise, we couldn't write a function like that. I don't want it's to write a function like that. We've never used it before, and we haven't had to do this. So I don't see what's different about this use of it. Is it because you're doing these chains that you have to keep... Okay, well, so within I have a chain, to... you aren't you aren't changing what my number. My, you're just using my number. You're not using my number and my other number. Okay, so what happens if I take out the line I'm telling you is important? That's, that's another way to approach it. Gone. We're not returning this anymore. Yeah, cancel. Not save. I've done that a lot run. of times. <laughs> oh, undefined. It's not an object. So why is that happening? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> what it does. Right, but uh, so, okay, so this much happens first. Mm -hmm. My number dot real four. It now returns nothing, which is undefined. So, so we are so when when we return this, is my number dot real parentheses four equal to this? My my number dot parentheses four no, becomes no, whatever was that. returned. No, 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 no. I said my number dot real parentheses four. Is that this? Or is it just my number that's this? Uh, from which point of well, view? Okay, so. <laughs> ignore the end of this line. So when this happens, it will evaluate to whatever is returned by that function. 
So this will be collapsed in to whatever is returned by the function. So we return this, but this is actually a reference to my number. So all of this just becomes my number. And then we're saying my number dot imaginary. Hmm. Well, look at the time. <laughs> it's not, not even starting to sink in yet. So actually, I'll comment that back out. Comment it back out. Okay, comment okay. it. Okay. And now go down to the bottom and now get get rid of or comment dot imaginary negative five. Yeah. Okay. Wait, Ooh, comment. So the comments. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Okay, that will now work fine. It will. Okay. Okay. So it's the my number dot four parentheses real that becomes this, and then we can say this dot imaginary. That's yes. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've got it. I could never okay. reproduce it, but I think I've got what you're doing. Why it works. <laughs> Except we Where have I gone to, wrong? We didn't un... Um, We've done something silly. Oh, look, Hazel's cleaning up my desk on screen. Uh, no, go back up to the top. We did, we comment... No, no, no. Put it back. We commented out this. Did we? Yeah. Did I comment that back in? Oops. No, we didn't. Thank you. <laughs> I say save all the time. That's because it's so ingrained into all of us forever, right? Always save. The power could go at any minute. Did I have you know, a laptop. Google Docs basically unmapped command and control S so that you can just hit it to your heart's delight and it doesn't do anything? Clever. Yeah, yeah. Let's figure out how to do that. All right, I think we have gotten it. Okay, so let's get rid of all this. We don't need this extra bit. So we have our save function. We've inherited a very clever one. So if I say imaginary is minus one... It behaves just as minus four minus i. It's all very clever. Follows all the rules. So now what's next? Oh, Five. I thought we test. were done. Oh, good lord. No, test, right? So now in theory, if we've written everything correctly, oh, this code change, would just work. Change your copy. Thank you. I like that you can double click. So replace my test code with real test code. So none of this should give no errors and just work. None of this should give no error. Okay. This should get, yeah. Okay, so, so what you are we just doing? created a bunch of complex numbers for us so that we wouldn't have to. Yeah, so we said var cn1 equals new complex number. We said it's real part to two, it's imaginary part to three, and then we two string in. Two plus three i. Okay, great. Create a second complex number, and this time we're going to say var cn2 equals a new complex number, set it's real, set it's imaginary, and say it. There we go. Create some more complex number, but don't bother to save them. Just print them. New mm. complex number five, blah, 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 blah. These are really only here so that I can see that all this is working. Minus three, 21, minus i, i, mm. 4.7i. All the different permutations of how we might want to print out a complex number are all working. That was nice of you to write the test for us. If I'd ever gotten that far. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I wrote the test because otherwise I couldn't have wrote the code to then, you know, get out of test cases. Okay. <laughs> So the question is, how far do we want to proceed in this before we lose out of energy? Oh, my goodness. We're not done? Still part six. Oh, seven, seven eight, nine? Yeah, so right now we oh, have a great numbers. stopping point, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm, like, it, it's really up to you. Uh, it's an hour and 21 minutes. Seems like a point we probably should stop. Because one it? of our discs is going to fill up with the video recording. Probably <laughs> mine. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Will we pick oh, this up next time? If you, if you, if, yes, absolutely. I will be delighted to. This is actually quite entertaining to do it this way. Yeah. And, and by the way, what you guys are seeing on video is what I've been seeing most of the time. I've been seeing at least something along these lines. Uh, so I think hopefully that'll be more fun for people. 
And the fact that we finished here at a test case is a perfect place to finish. So our, our, we now have a very, very basic complex number class or prototype. It can a, We can set its values and we can print it out. I had no so idea that, there was more to this. That's right, terrifying. But our imaginary numbers are now really quite boring things, right? We, we, we have to, it's really clumsy dot real dot imaginary. And we can't add them. We can't subtract them. We can't multiply them. So oh gosh, they're not really 14? very powerful yet. Yeah, Boy, I'm glad I gave up last night at midnight, eleven thirty. <laughs> yeah, because basically we've got to teach JavaScript everything about complex numbers. So far, we've taught it how to print them out, how to store them, and how to print them out. Now we want to teach it how to add them, how to subtract them, how to multiply them. Did you really think I'd be able to do this? <laughs> yes. Really? Slowly. Yeah, but that's why there's partial solutions each all the way. I know. But, I mean, there's so many things in there we don't know how to do. I mean, you've given us all the little building blocks, I guess, but not having ever say, used... Every, every Lego brick is what you've seen before. But we've never even typed parsint on our own in any of the tests that I can remember. Maybe one. I think we have. It's pretty common. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. We, well, have, we, have, a, we have a sane halting point. All right. Well... So let's- I guess we'll uh, <laughs> we'll go ahead and stop this recording. Hope oh, this worked. Well, fingers crossed. You'd be terrible if we went through all this and the listeners never heard anything. <laughs> I'm sure somebody heard something. Okie dokie. Well, until next time, happy computing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is an unsponsored show, so if you like what you hear, you can help support the show by using the Amazon or App Store affiliate links you'll find over at podfeet.com. I love feedback, so if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com. If you want to join in the conversation with other listeners, you can go over to our Google Plus community at podfeet.com slash Google Plus or our Facebook group over at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.